Hey friends, it's Mark James. It is 8.21pm on a Saturday night. I am joined in the living room by Sarah and Joshua. Say hey friends. Hey friends. <laughs> I should have known that was going to happen. What a day it's been. I have been off um, doing my new show, Curious Mysteries. It finally launched. Today was the first one. So I woke up at half seven, I got up, I had to nip to the shops on the way, I had to go and get uh, some pens, some biro pens, plain old blue pens, on the way to the show, so I popped to Sainsbury's and then I was off. I arrived at half past eleven, and we opened the doors at twelve forty-five, so I set everything up and got my pre-show music and briefed the team and did all of the things that need doing to make the show work, and then from that point, basically, I... Ran the venue for two hours and everything that happened was kind of under my control and the choices that I'd made. And it was a lot of trust, really. You know, the company, to let you do a thing like that, they put a lot of trust in you that what you're going to do is going to be good for their guests. And not even just their guests, but their owners, you know, people who own accommodation there at these places, whose opinions really matter in the parks, um... You know, the guests' opinions matter, but the owners, really, they're there the whole time and they're very influential. So to do something in front of the owners and be given that level of kind of, you know, you be in charge is a big old thing. And so I was excited about it, but I was also nervous that it was going to be, oh my God, I can't concentrate. Josh was eating a pot noodle and he's making some of the worst noises I've ever heard in my life. I stopped eating because I was slurping too. (laughs) <laughs> so if you don't know what a pot noodle is, I'll come back to the other thing. It's a pot that has noodles. It's a pot that has noodle in. I mean, I, I think they have pot noodle. You you know, cup noodles, pot noodles, they're in every country, aren't they? They're uh, very popular in the uh, Chinese supermarket cup noodles. I always love the look of theirs. Theirs ones are like bowl noodles, though. The bowls are much bigger in the Chinese supermarkets. And then there's a kind of, it's very, I don't know if it is British. It seems very British, the pot noodle. It's very popular. And so it's a cup that you pour, it's plastic, and you pour hot water into it, and it kind of um, boils the noodles inside, and then they take on the water. And then essentially you've got a snack in a throwaway container or recyclable container, and all you need is a fork and a kettle. And Joshua's eating one right now, and I might have to make him go and stand in the garden. What is going on? Why are you making that noise? Because it's a pot noodle. It's disgusting. Sounds. Can you try not to make the pot noodle sounds? Except for, oh That's my what happens god. When you eat a pot noodle, you make that pot noodle. I'm going in Joshua's room to finish this. No, you are not. I am. Just sit back down, <laughs> hey, both face. Hey, I can't concentrate. I can't concentrate with them too. It worked. Hey, I, <laughs> I just threw Joshua out of the way. Tried to stop me getting out of the room. Said shift. Shoved him out of the way. Right, I've come upstairs. Jesus Christ. It might be the Asperger's, but honestly, when people are making food eating sounds, I just can't concentrate. I'm that person who, if you're eating somewhere, I I have to say something. (laughs) Gosh. Anyway, so yeah, they put a lot of trust in you to sort of deliver a good product and especially letting you take over the pre-show music and how the room's set up and just everything. And of course, you're supported by a really good team who know what they're doing and you don't have to tell them what to do. They know how to greet the guests. They know how to sit everyone down. They know how to PR and chat and stuff. 
So it was nice to be kind of a, a bigger part of the machinery in some ways. And we worked together really well. The team were great. The audience were great. And I'm happy to say the show was successful, I think. I mean, everyone seemed to love it. I came off stage and one of the girls on the team was crying. And I said, what's wrong? And she said, it was just so good. So she cried because she enjoyed it that much. And that, I mean, as you know, as you all know, because you've been here listening since the first time I said months ago. So I've been asked to do this project and I think it's going to be pretty good. It's going to be big if it happens. And then, you know, three months ago when I said, so this thing's definitely happening. They've asked me to start working on it. And then two months ago when I said, right, it's all written. I know what it's going to be. Now I need to get stuff made. And then a month ago when I said, everything's made and now it just needs rehearsing and teaching to someone else. And now today when I'm saying it opened and it was good. (laughs) And crucially, Alex, who, as you'll know, is doing the other tour, but of the same show, uh, his went great too. I spoke to him about it and he, I mean, he said, well, this could have been better and I could have done that better and blah, 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 you know, and he had all these criticisms of himself. But then I asked the manager of the venue where he performed and he said, it was absolutely brilliant. He was great. We loved it. So that's exactly what you want. What you really want is for the people who watched it and the management to say the show was terrific, but for the performer who did it to say, thanks, but I know why it could be better. Because that means you've asked the right person, someone who's committed to working harder on making the thing better. If he just went, oh, it was great, yeah. Nothing else needs doing. I'll just do it like that every time. That would worry me. (laughs) Because, you know, there were loads of things that I loved, but then there were a few things that could have been a little bit better. I could have, you know, been a bit smoother. I could have had a better grasp of the set list. I came off stage at one point because the show is in three acts. I kind of want to... I don't want to talk too deeply about it, but I suppose nobody in the audience is going to listen to what it is. So should I just talk about it? Should I just tell you what happens without massively going into the tricks and stuff? So essentially, all the pre-show music is chosen by me. It's a mix of things like Tom Lehrer songs, postmodern jukebox versions of like modern classics. There's a really good postmodern jukebox, Scott Bradley's postmodern jukebox version of like Umbop by Hanson. So it's a song that you know when you're hearing it, but it's like a doo-wop version and it's really fun. And so when you listen, you go, oh my God, that's Hanson. But it isn't. It's like a jazz version with a tap dancer underneath it and all of that. And then there's some sort of stuff that's a bit morbid and kind of has funny lines in and Tom Lehrer songs and uh, like Pomplamoose, Bust Your Kneecaps, which is about you know, my family are gangsters and if you break up with me, they'll break your legs sort of vibe, which is very funny and all these different things which contribute to the vibe in the pre-show. Then I go out on stage and set up a thing that magicians will recognise. Essentially, people write things on pieces of paper and they post them into a box and then one of each of those things is chosen. There's a celebrity, there's a, a film and there's something that you're afraid of. And one of each of those three things is chosen from the box during the show. Magicians will know what that is. Um, I don't really want to give you a Googleable title if you're not a magician and you're not that interested, you know, casually interested in how secrets might work. And I do all that pre-show and I go out and talk to the audience on the microphone. And the team helped me to get this done in a COVID safe way currently. And also in just a practical way, because it's not really the exact right venues 
to use this prop, this box, and have people randomly come up and fill bits of paper in. But in it, it's become an interactive front foot kind of version of this thing because I'm guiding the audience through it, but I'm doing it before the actual show starts. Then I say the show will be 10 minutes. I press play on the pre-show music, uh, the proper short pre-show music that's also got announcements on. And then the show is on the way. It's 10 minutes till I walk on stage. And then I walk out and I introduce the audience to the theme of the show. It's called Curious Mysteries, a mind reading a magic show in three distinct acts. And the first act is called The History of Mystery. So let's begin. And I have these big boards on easels that have got various titles on. And at times they get flipped over. So they say different stuff on the back. And um, I use that as a running thing throughout the show. So the first easel says, you know, like in vaudeville, where there'd be a big easel card at the side of the stage and it would say the name of the act. It's like that, except it says the history of mystery. And it looks like an old, it looks like a silent movie card is what it looks like. And then I, there are three tricks that take us from the origins of magic. If you can guess what the world's, you know, patently oldest trick is, you'll know. And then they lead us right up to the modern day of kind of YouTube magicians. And the third trick I perform, the, the boards get flipped over and the YouTube symbol is there, but it's like a postmodern version of it inside of an old television set. And I perform that trick straight to a camera. So if you imagine I'm facing towards the audience, if I'm standing on a clock, I'm facing 12 to face the audience. But for this trick, there's a camera at what would be 10, 10 o'clock and I'm facing that. So the audience can see me, but also I'm slightly facing off to one side and looking right down the lens of a camera. And the audience can see the trick being performed on a giant screen, which is to the other side of me. So it's a kind of a strange setup in that they're watching me live, but they're also watching me live on TV because it's a YouTube video that they're seeing being made live. And that puts us into the current day. And then at the end of that trick, I say, well, that's the end of the history of mystery. Um, let's move now to act two, which starts in, oh, 15 seconds. And I press play and the stage blacks out and I flip the cards back over and change to the next one. And that says uh, explaining the unexplainable. And I come out and now I do three things. And those three things I sort of explain. They're not really, um, I'm not giving any magic secrets away in the show, but they're things like... Um, What's it called? Uh, the shrinking head, which the explanation of how that works, because it's an optical illusion, is as interesting as watching the actual thing happen. And so that's and that's part of the original presentation. Although I've, of course, changed the script, but things like that. And then uh, there's a t there's a tea break, the a dinner bell rings, and that's exactly halfway through the show. And I say, oh, that means it's my tea break. But uh, don't worry, this next part's uh, self-explanatory. And there's a medical diagram of somebody, uh, like a body. You know when you've seen like a medical diagram of a sword swallower? It's like that, but with a balloon. And I do a balloon swallow, but... It's, it's as if I'm having my lunch and I have a napkin tucked down my neck and I salt the balloon and all these other things. And um, there's one more thing. And then it's the final part of the show. And I say, it's time for act three. See you in 20 seconds. And uh, I change the board again and there's a blackout and there's another voiceover. And the voiceover is like a Twilight Zone thing, but it's got jokes in. And then I come out for the final part. And in the final part, I intersperse the three mind reading things, the fear, the film and the celebrity between two other longer routines that people will have seen me do before. The book test I do with the blindfold, except it's not Bird Box, it's Sherlock Holmes and the jelly bean trick that um, 
idea at the Chicago Magic Lounge, which is online, that my friend Taylor gave me the presentation for. And he also did the voiceovers as well. So, you know, huge amount of thanks to Taylor, who partially wrote on this show as well. And Taylor Hughes, that is. And so, I mean, God, God, without that dude, you know, honestly, being friends with Taylor and the, the way that we push each other along and inspire each other and work on things is is just been one of the most fulfilling relationships and friendships I've had in my life. Because we both care about just doing better, newer things all the time. And I gave him some routines for his special that he put on Amazon. He's given me some things for my show. And, you know, we live 4,000 miles away, so it's not a big deal, really. And it's really great to have someone that lives so far away but you can work together on your shows and have similar inspirations and aesthetic and stuff. So huge thanks to him for everything he's done for the show. And uh, finally, it finishes with me pretending I've forgotten about the last mind reading thing and someone shouting, wait, you haven't got me. And they have a film. And uh, then the film is predicted in the most obvious but surprising way. And then the film poster that they see has got all this extra information on, which contains these other things that happen in the show. And it's very much a kind of, I suppose you'd quote Darren Brown as being the person who invented that. Well, that's the end of the show. Oh, wait, no, it isn't. Because look, everything that we knew was going to happen has happened. And um, it's a bit like that, but in a in a more me way. And so that's the show. And um it's been a huge undertaking to come up with, you know, nine proper pieces for the show. So there could be three in each section, but also that. And I think that nine, by the way, is about right. You know, the show's supposed to be 45 minutes. So if you think to yourself, I need nine five minute bits on average. Nine five minute routines is a 45 minute show. So then if you add on a bit of window dressing at the beginning and end of the show, some of the things are a bit shorter and they're one or two minutes. Some of the things are longer and they're eight or nine minutes. I generally think to myself, if I look at the set list and I've got nine things, I know that I'm roughly dealing with a 45 minute show. So between the blackouts, the overtures, the changing scenes, the chatting to the audience, blah, 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 blah. The show was 50 minutes, which is what I wanted. And I came off. And the team came off and they were all cheering backstage and I was elated and I could hear the audience buzzing about it as they were leaving and saying nice things. And um, I was really, really happy. And that was that. And then I got in the car and I, and it was hot today. It was 22 degrees, which for England is hot, 22 degrees Celsius. Uh, the hottest it's been all year, I think. It's probably the hottest day of the year so far. And I had my coffee and my new flask. And so I drank that on the way home. It was boiling hot, but once I was in the car, I had the air conditioning on full. So I was cold in the car, which is what I like. And um, I got home. I saw Sarah and Joshua. I told them they were thrilled. Like I said, I spoke to Alex on the way home on the phone. He was thrilled. Um, the manager from his gig was thrilled. The manager from mine was thrilled. I spoke to the main people of the company that I've been dealing with. They were thrilled. My management was all in all, it's just been a very, very good day. I know on a lot of days I bleat and moan about this has happened and that's happened and blah, 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 blah. But today has been probably the best day of the year for, you know, things that I was worried about. But I woke up this morning sort of game face on. I woke up thinking today's the day it's going to happen. So take a deep breath. 
focus and get it done the best you can. And the whole drive there, I just was running the show in my head. I was going over the scripts. And that's the thing, like I said, getting nine routines together, but with other little things in between them and then putting together the aesthetic and then getting all that stuff made. And, and you know, I edited all the music. I chose all the music. I did all the design work myself, the poster, the banners, the um, easel boards, the stage screens that are on, you know, all the design work I did myself. And it's kind of, it's just wild that it finally is real and exists and doing all of that stuff over the last few months. And then in the last month, you know, I've been consulting with Alex the whole time and telling him what stuff was going to be and giving him the jump on what he would have to learn by sending him lectures of mine and, you know, meeting up with him or having Zoom calls and things like that and teaching that to another performer who you then believed would go out and carry it off as well. And then just getting to the end of the day and looking back and going, it, it worked. <laughs> and now... Any performers who are listening to this, you know, other fellow performers, I know there are plenty of other performers that listen to this, will know this feeling that it's exciting the day up to the first time, but the day after the first time is 10 times as exciting because now you say to yourself, I know this works, how much better can we make it? And now it's all about finding every little moment that can be made better. And, you know, Alex and I had an hour's chat while we were both driving after the show. And I said to him, oh, I did this and this and this. And this idea occurred to me. And he told me stuff as well that, you know, I didn't do, but made us both better. And what's interesting is having a second performer doing the show is that things that might take me a hundred shows to realise, I'll know in 50 shows because two people are sharing the experience. So every time I learn anything, I tell him. And every time he learns anything, he'll tell me. And we'll gather that experience so much more quickly. And that's really exciting. That process of having a finished show and then working towards taking that show from day one to something that you're really proud of and becomes really solid and concrete and fluid, that's the most exciting bit. A new bit is exciting, but a new bit that you know works and you've tried is so much better. So there we go. That's what happened today. That's Curious Mysteries. I'm thrilled that I'm not here giving you negativity or, you know, telling you that I'm bummed out. It's just all good. <laughs> Feels like a boring podcast because I'm too happy. I wish that some stuff went badly or I was annoyed, but I'm not. It was good. I've got two shows tomorrow. One of them is at another Haven Park, and then on the night, I'm at a Park Dean Resorts Park for a different company. So that's wild, isn't it? Two companies in one day. And on the afternoon, I'm doing Curious Mysteries, and on the night, I'm doing Modern Magic, my other show, which I've been doing, you know, for the last year. So that's well bedded in, and I love doing it. So that, that'll be fun. I did go and buy a big uh, clear box today to put in the back of the car to put the Curious Mystery stuff in because obviously there's a tiny bit of crossover between things that I need for both shows. Not necessarily tricks, but just things, you know, intermediary things, pens, papers, stools, stands, you know, random stuff that you don't want to buy twice. So I kind of packed just for today, today, but now I've repacked everything now that I've learned and both shows are in the car and that's, it's pretty good. And it'll mean that after tomorrow, I'll take the other show out. I'll take Curious Mysteries out of the car and it'll live back in the office till next weekend. So that's all good. Right. 
Let's get through our quick few on this days, because this is going to be a long episode. On this day, 1790, Rhode Island becomes the last of the original 13 colonies that ratified the U.S. Constitution. There's more about that in a second. Um, 1848, Wisconsin became the 30th state on this day. 1849, Abraham Lincoln says a quote that I love. You can fool some of the people all of the time and all of the people some of the time, but you cannot fool all of the people all of the time. That's a great quote, isn't it? That's Abraham Lincoln, and it was today in 1849. Um, 1886, I know we already did Coca-Cola a few weeks ago in a totally different thing, but on this day in 1886, John Pemberton first advertised the Coca-Cola drink. On this day, 1919, Albert Einstein's theory of relativity Now, we've already talked about the theory of relativity, but Einstein's theory that when light passes a large body, gravity will bend the rays, the rays of light, was confirmed by Arthur Eddington's expedition to photograph a solar eclipse. So, and it was in West Africa, and those photographs proved about the the light being bent. And so 1919 was the first time Albert Einstein's theory about light bending with gravity where it was proven. That's interesting. 1922, on this day, US Supreme Court rules, organized baseball is a sport and not a business and thus not subject to antitrust laws. Now, I've tried to look into this and antitrust laws in baseball are extremely confusing if you don't know a ton about America and a ton about antitrust laws. Because it's something to do with how the teams function and contract rookie teams and other leagues and things like that. And so if you're American, basically, this is a message to Bart directly. I tried to understand this, but there were so many other things around it that I didn't I I didn't have time to really get into it and learn about it because it was last night while I was in bed. So if you could, in layman's terms, (laughs) please explain to me in a way that I can easily understand how antitrust laws affect baseball, I would be interested to know that. And I will explain it on tomorrow's podcast. Uh, 1953, Edmund Hillary and Tenzing Norgay, who you met. Did I talk about Tenzing Norgay the other week? I watched that uh, documentary about the, um, what's it called? The, uh, in Nepal, the mountain. Which mountain is it? It's the highest one. Everest. Jesus wept. Um, I watched a documentary about Everest on Netflix. It was really good. And it talks about Tenzing Norgay because he was the first person to uh, summit with Edmund Hillary. So that happened in 1953 on this day. Isn't that wild? I mean, it's crazy that people do that, you know. Do you know how many people die on that mountain every year? And they're all just there. Nobody goes up and gets them and brings them back. If you die on Everest, you stay on Everest. That's basically how it works. Uh, And last but not least, 1999 Space Shuttle Discovery completes the first docking with the International Space Station. I mean, that's crazy, isn't it? I love space stuff. Today I was wearing my favourite watch, my Omega Speedmaster. First Omega in space is the is the model uh, type. And it was worn by Buzz Aldrin in, on the moon mission, wasn't it? So that's good. Right, anyway, that's today's podcast. A bit of a long one, but I hope you enjoyed it. I'm so happy. I'll tell you more tomorrow. Tomorrow I'll be recording in between the two shows, no doubt. So I'll have another one to tell you about. Wild. Bye, friends.